Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Hey, we're, we're pumped that you're here, and uh, right now we are in a series of messages around this really simple theme, these three remain. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is talking about, uh, talking about progress, talking about growth, talking about maturity, talking about going from one place to another and, and getting stronger in life. And then he makes this statement. He says, and these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these things, love. In other words, he's saying this, at the end of the day, the types of things that, that go the distance the types of things that outlast other, uh, other forces that would come and go, they're not things like possession because possessions come and go. Not things like position because position can come and go. Anyone ever been relieved of a position before? It's not things like, like uh, fame or fortune or opportunity or talent. He goes, all those things, that, they're okay. But hey, things like faith, that endures. Like when, when situations come and go and, and there's an ebb and flow of success, something like faith, that has endurance to it. Hope, man, that can get you through some situations. When everything seems as though it's shifting and changing, hope endures. Love, oh man, love endures. It remains. But the reality is that, that there are times where faith starts to fade. There's times when hope just disappears in, in light of hopelessness. But love always remains. That's why the greatest of these is love, because the Bible defines God that way. It says God is love. And so in this portion of Scripture that's talking about maturity, that's talking about progress, the Apostle Paul points us towards the simple, complex, knowable but mysterious concept of love. Why don't we pray, and then we're going to dive into this passage together. Jesus, I ask tonight, as we look to your word, that you use it to speak to us. I pray that there would be, even within this environment, a, a lack of, of any sort of mental distraction that would cause us to, to miss what you're trying to speak. I pray that you'd speak to my heart again, that uh, every person in this place, as we open your word, would find ourselves in scripture. We'd find ourselves in this narrative, and we would uh, be shaped and transformed and molded. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen. If you're taking notes today, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, you can jot them down on your phone or a piece of paper if you brought one. The, uh, the title of tonight's message is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Got to do with it. Okay? You got to do the three dots and then just got to do with it. Anyone ever sang that song into the mirror before? Come on. What's love got to do with it? I want to endeavor tonight to read uh, a pretty extensive piece of scripture. I'm going to read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians Chapter 13. Some people call this the chapter of love. Turn to the person beside you and say the love chapter. That got so weird for some of you. So weird for some of you. Some of you are like, why did I pick this person? I didn't need to have that in my mind. The love chapter. Do you know that the, the, the verses and chapter numbers in the scripture were added in the 16th century. Prior to the 16th century, 
the Bible as it was passed down over the course of hundreds of years, over a thousand years by that point, 1,500 some odd years, was, was text. It was words and words in paragraphs and, and, and books and letters, but there were no numbers and chapters. And then someone thought, you know what? You know what the Bible just needs a little more of? Math. And so, so he had this plan that would make it easier to memorize, easier to, to, to prioritize or categorize different thoughts by putting chapters and verses. I want to propose to you tonight that when it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the, uh, the one who endeavored to put chapter and verse to this, he might have been pulling an all-nighter that night. Maybe he wasn't thinking too clearly because I believe he chopped up the Apostle Paul's thought by one verse before and one verse after. And so I want to just take a liberty today. I'm going to start one verse before, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read the, the, the chapter together, and then I'm just going to give you one verse after. I want you to, if you could, listen to this as if it were being uh, said in, in sequence. So often we look at Scripture as like, what's the Scripture of, of the day? An app tells us, here's a thought. But that thought is so much more powerful when put into its context. So if you could, hear this as it's being said in a a flow of thought as the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and by extension to us tonight as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 12, or uh, chapter 12, I would say, the last verse, says this, Now, eagerly desire greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of my childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Follow the way of love. You know, I bet you every person in this place, if you're being really honest with yourself, has at least one area right now that you are attempting to move forward in. 
at least one area in your life that you, you're thinking about progressing in. You're thinking about getting stronger in. I've met very few people who, if they're honest with themselves, wake up, look in the mirror and go, you did it. You did it. You made it. Just hit pause on life like you are living your best life right now. I mean, you might, you might throw it up on social media, I'm living my best life, but not that many people actually believe this is it. I found it. Stop everything. This is my best life, the best version of myself. You know, for some in the room, you've got right now a financial goal. You're attempting to progress financially in some way, shape, or form. You're saving for something or you're working to get out of debt, and that financial goal is always on your mind. Every transaction you make, you're filtering it through the financial goal that you carry. You're going, can I afford this? Should I afford this? How does this affect my long-term goals? Now, for some of you, if you have a financial goal and you're not thinking about it when you make every transaction, that might be why the goal is not coming true, all right? You've got to actually put plan to that progress. For some, you've got a health goal right now. Not a financial thing for you, it's a health goal. You've got a, a, certain, uh, a certain type of, of body weight you want to hit or a certain type of, of health goal. Maybe it's uh, an initiative to run at a certain speed or lift a certain weight or lose some pounds. And so as a result, you process every, every meal you have mathematically. You see it as a, a formula of calories and proteins. It affects the decisions that you make because you're trying to progress. For some right now, you have a relationship goal. You're single. Like you're real single, okay? There's like, there's like single and there's real single. It's on your mind all the time. Every person you meet, you go, could it be? Is it? Was it? Did I miss it? Did I get that number? Right? It's always kind of on your mind. Not a bad thing. For some of you, you have a relationship goal that has nothing to do with singleness. It has to do with this. I am not the best husband that I could be. I'm trying to get better. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better roommate. And so every decision you make, you're thinking, how does this affect that goal that I have? For some, you have a career goal right now. So every interaction that you have at the office, every interaction that you have at the workplace, you're thinking, am I, am I doing this right? Because I want to get from where I am now to where I'm aiming towards. I want to improve. I want to progress. And I would venture to say on this Sunday evening here in Kitsilano, just like those who gathered this morning at our New West location, just like those who gathered this morning at our downtown location, here you are tonight. I'm going to just venture the guests that at least in some way, you've got a goal right now to grow spiritually. I mean, that would be one of the primary reasons you find yourself in church on a Sunday night. You say, I want to actually take some steps to grow in relationship to God, to understand more my faith, to understand more how I can activate my faith, to, to grow in my relationship towards God and people in the community of, of church. And if you're like me, and you like to go after your goals, perhaps you've set in your mind what it would look like to reach or to achieve that maturity that you're seeking after. Here I think, like, even as it begins, Paul goes this, hey, I just want to commend you. It's a good thing to desire spiritual gifts. It's a good thing to make your quest or your goal or your aim to be growing in your giftedness, to be growing in your understanding of Jesus so you can affect the people around you. That's a great thing. And he goes, being that that's such a great thing, let me show you the most excellent way. 
And then he starts by saying, here's what it's not. He goes, you could have all the words, the greatest vocabulary. You could know the words of men and angels. In other words, you understand all the things that everyone understands. Plus, you've got a whole new heavenly understanding of how life works and the meaning of life and the purpose of life and the giftedness to articulate it with, with perfect precision. He goes, I could speak with perfect words, the, the tongue of men, the tongue of angels. But if I don't have love, I'm kind of like a banging cymbal. Imagine you walked in here tonight and a little intro video played. You got some trap music going. You're drinking a, like a freshly aeropressed coffee. You're looking around going, I didn't think this is what church was. Okay, here we are. And then we say, okay, guys, we just, this is what we do. When we gather together, we, we got some songs now. So I'm going to call the band out. And then the band came out. And one by one, you know, Jerry came out and he had a, a, a drumstick and a cymbal. He's like, okay, here we go, guys. And then he just started, clang, 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 clang. He's like, I'm going to call the rest of the band out, and then out come the rest of the band. They all have cymbals. They all have sticks, and they're just smashing their cymbals. And then we're like, come on, let's really get this place turnt. And so someone brings a big gong out, like a, one of those big, you know, mallets, and is and then we're like, oh, get the marching band up in here. But you can keep the brass, keep the woodwinds, keep the, we just want the cymbal guy. Just bring the cymbal guy, you know. The guy who looks like one of those dancing monkeys, right? And so we just fill the room with cymbals. Oh, what a beautiful, annoying, frustrating, pointless sound that would be. Here the Apostle Paul says this, man, you can know all the right words, but, but simple vocabulary, like the, the ability to articulate words is not the mark of spiritual maturity. This is really good news for some of us. This is really disappointing news for others of us. Like, do you have that friend in your group of friends who's the actually guy? Every conversation is like, well, actually, no, <laughs> No, no, let me, and it's always like the single finger that comes up. Uh, actually, you know, a little point of order here. No, no. I was reading on Wikipedia last night uh, the fall of the Mesopotamian Empire, and you're like, why? Why were you doing that? You know, and they find a way to work that in, a new fact that you didn't know. The actually guy. It's like these people study trivial pursuit cards just to grow in their own knowledge. Here the Apostle Paul says this, like, don't be the spiritual actually guy. Don't be the one who always has all the answers with all the words. If all you have is words, just shh. It's just noise. It's like, hold up. So I want to grow in my giftedness, and I want to grow in my purpose, and I want to mature into all that God has for me to be, and you're saying it's not about words? Well, then certainly it's got to be about skills, right? Certainly it's got to be about honing my craft and doing some spiritual things in a great way. And so Paul goes, no, it's actually not that too because you know what? You can prophesy or you could have the type of faith. I love the way that the message translation puts it. It says this, you can have the type of faith that can walk up to a mountain and say, jump. And then the mountain goes, ah, and jumps. But if you don't have love, you're nothing. What he's saying here is, is not only is it words that are not equivalent to spiritual maturity, but giftedness is also not the marking 
of spiritual maturity. Like, do you have that friend who, who has their one party trick? They're not the actually guy. They're usually like the double jointed guy. He's somehow, you've known them for 30 seconds. They're like, does your arm do this? You know, they do their one trick, their one go to. They're like the person who knows how to juggle. You got a juggling friend? You know, they're always looking for an opportunity to just show the one skill they have. You got like the handstand guy who just always kind of works a handstand into things, and you're like, the party just started. You're like, you went straight there. There's nowhere to go after handstand guy. Right? Here's what he's saying. I think, like, spiritually we can do that as well. See, prophecy is a beautiful thing. The Bible says it's something we ought to be eager about, to understand the heart and mind of God. Prophecy means this, that God would communicate to a person his heart and intentions in such a way that we could be edifying building up and strengthening those around us. What a great, a great thing. But Paul says here, if your gift is prophecy and you're all about expressing that gift without love, you're nothing. Just, just put your gift away. By the way, when it comes to being gifted, we are not the recipients of a spiritual gift. If you are gifted, you're essentially the mailman. Jesus says this, that every spiritual gift is for the purpose of building up the church, which is not a group uh, uh, or, or not a building, it's a people. So your gift is not about you, your gift is about people. And so he goes, hey, if, if you're just really, really, really excited about showing how prophetic you are, mm-mm. if you're like the, the faith person who has to cut off conversation, someone's trying to express what's going on in their heart, and they're like, hey, maybe you just need some more faith. It's like, man, you don't get it. Like faith without, without love that's not fueled by love, that's not what it's about. Hold up, Paul, you're telling me it's not about like just knowing more stuff, and it's not about being more gifted? Then the only thing left in this, this grand spectrum of spirituality has to be sacrifice has to be rigidness, has to be being hardcore. So it goes this, well, what about this? What about if you just give everything you have? Like, you're the type of person that someone goes, hey, man, can you spare some spare change? You're like, no, no, I don't have spare change, but here's my wallet, pin number, you know, 6649. You use the pin number. What else do you need? Shoes, you got my shoes. Here you go. You need a belt? This will look great on you. Hey, my car, whatever you need. Like over and above sacrifice. He goes, what? and after giving it all, then you sacrifice your own life. Like he's going like, hey, let's just kind of go crazy here and think about this thing in hyperbole here because in the deep down parts of who we are, sometimes we think I just got to be extreme because I want to do things well. I want to be extreme. And so he goes, words just shh. Your own giftedness, that's nothing. Then he goes this, it's like if you're just giving and sacrificing and putting yourself through like, I'm going to do without, sometimes people do without weird things. They go, oh, I'm just going to choose to do without sugar for now. Why? Just want to show God how serious I am. And I want to post about it a lot. You know? Every meal I eat, I got to make sure, is this Daniel fast worthy? Man, we're weird. Nothing wrong with words. 
Man, there's, there's beautiful things about speaking the truth. Nothing wrong with giftedness. My goodness, the, the passage begins and ends saying we should eagerly desire giftedness. Certainly there's nothing wrong with giving. I mean, giving might be one of the most ultimate expressions of love there can be. But it's possible to give without love as the motive. It's possible to give with, with an insecurity as our motive, a desire to be praised and affirmed as our motive. And so we're giving, but there's strings attached to the, the gifts that we're giving. And, and here Paul says, hey, if you're giving just to prove your maturity, yeah, you're going to gain nothing from that. By the way, what should be noted is that, that sometimes I think we try to be holier than the Bible. We're like, okay, God, this, I'm just giving this gift here, no expectations. See, but, but Jesus said when you give, you can expect it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. No, 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 accept, no, no, no expectations from me, God. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, when you are generous towards the poor, you are lending to God. And then goes on further to say this, God will be indebted to nobody. Like when you give to somebody who has a need, even in a small, tangible, practical way, it's as though you are saying to God, hey, I care about the thing you care about, which is people. I I got this one. And God's like, that's what I love. That's what I honor. That's what I see. That's what I want to grow in you. So let me pour more resource into your life, more time, more energy, more resource, more opportunity, more relationship. Let it be poured into your lap so you can continue to be a blessing in every occasion. But if you're giving, it is this shortcut to maturity, ah, you'll gain nothing. So essentially he says this. Let me show you the most excellent way. Here's what it's not. Spiritual maturity is not marked by your ability to articulate well. Here's what it's not. Spiritual maturity is not about how gifted you are because your gift was for others anyway. Spiritual maturity is not about how hardcore you can be and how sacrificial you can be, how you can lay it all on the line. He goes, here's what spiritual maturity looks like. Understand that you're loved. Man, I, I, I've known that Jesus loves me for a long time because when I was young, I sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Anyone sing a song like that? And ingrained in my heart from a young age, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And somewhere along the line, maybe similar to me, you've thought, okay, I got that one down, now what? I understand, God loves me, cool. That's a given, now what? And I think what Paul is saying here is, hold up. Love is not where you start. Love is not just where you're going. It's not like it's a destination. Love is the way. Love is the way that you go on, that you go from love to love. How do you do it? Love. (laughs) He goes, like, you'll never graduate beyond love. Love actually fuels your words. Love actually informs your giftedness. Love actually inspires your generosity, inspires your giving and your sacrifice. And so he goes, here's what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. Could you imagine for just a moment putting your own name in that series of uh, descriptors? 
Imagine I got up here. I just want to read you a piece of scripture. It's about Liz. Liz is patient. Liz is kind. Liz does not envy. Liz does not boast. Liz is not proud. It would be getting pretty awkward for Liz right about now. She's like, no, you're lying. I don't do some of those things. We're still a work in progress. Man, I, I, I measure myself against this. I measure my motives against this. And I recognize, God, I don't think I'm there yet. I used to look at it this way. I read this, this portion of scripture. I pondered it. I'd study it. And I looked at it this way. When you're talking, just make sure you say it with a loving attitude. When you're expressing your gift, make sure that love's coming through. Like, so say the word I love you in your prophecy. When you're giving, make sure that it's about love, not about you. I think what Paul is actually saying is unless you know how loved you are, you're not ready to speak yet. Unless you know how loved you are, we don't need your gifts. Unless you know in your, the deepest part of your heart how loved you are, don't sacrifice. You're going to do it with the wrong motives. Because the Bible says this, we only love because he first loved us. You can't just start with love and say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision today. I'm just going to love. Great idea, new thought. I think I came up with it. Trademark that, you know, hashtag that. That's my thought. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a lover, not a fighter. The Bible says we can only love because he first loved us. So as the love of God begins to work on our heart, we find ourselves with the capacity and the capability to love those around us. And if we lack that capacity, we have yet to discover the fullness of his love for us. And then Paul goes on to, to just kind of say, like, because honestly, guys, like prophecy will just, it'll fade. Like that's a gift for this moment, but then the moment passes. Even faith sometimes like just isn't enough. And knowledge, knowledge passes away. But love, love never fails. In the Greek language, this word fails means, it comes from a Greek word, ekpipto, which means to slowly descend. It means this, not that love doesn't throw, you know, roll off the end of a cliff. Love doesn't even slowly descend. It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Because Jesus, he came from the Father full of grace and truth, and out of the fullness of his grace, we have all received one grace after another. Or, or, or some translations say this, we receive gift after gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. I was looking at a uh, commentary in F.F. Bruce this week who said this, our ability and capacity to ask for things can never outmatch God's ability to give us things. Like we could never even imagine the type of things that we could ask God for if we had a crazy enough imagination. That's what it says in Ephesians when it says that, that he is able to give us above and beyond all we, are, we could ask for or imagine according to his power. So that means this, out of the fullness of Jesus, if you get really crazy with it, anyone want to get crazy in church? Let's get real extreme. If you're like, okay, in the spectrum of, of how God interacts with us, let's go to one side of the spectrum. Way over here in the extremity, you're going to find this. Jesus loves you completely, wholly, without any reservation. It's unconditional. He's all about you. He's crazy about you. His, his love for you isn't because you acted on it first. He thinks about you when you wake up in the morning. 
You're on his mind when you go to bed. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, he's got a plan for your life that is his good pleasure. In other words, when he thinks of your life, he smiles. You know, wow, that sounds pretty good. I wish that was the whole story. I wish that was the whole story because I like that story. But let's not get too crazy. Come on, let's go to the other extreme. All right, join me over there. We'll go to the other extreme of who God is. Everything that he reveals of himself in Scripture. On this extreme, here's what you're going to find. Jesus loves you wholly and completely, unconditionally. He's not linked in any way to your performance. It's not because you loved him first or you impressed him. You didn't have to do anything to catch his attention. His attention has always been on you. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, God had a plan for you, a purpose for you, and he's always loved you and always only ever will. Like the love of God is complete and whole. Paul goes this, don't let love be your launching point. We're like, okay, I know Jesus loves me, but now it's all on me to, to do something with it. And don't let love be your destination where you're like, I just if, if I can do enough things, one day I'll arrive at a place where I can go, okay, finally, now I am worthy of the love of God. Understand this, the most excellent way to grow is the way of love. Just keep on following in the way of love. Through highs and lows, keep on following the way of love. And then he uses this picture, a picture of a mirror. It would have been really interesting to people in Corinth because Corinth at that time was known for making the best mirrors in the ancient world. So their mirrors at the time were not on glass. Their mirrors at the time were, were pounded and polished bronze. And the ore in Corinth had a particularly high content of tin, about 14% tin, which made for easier polished bronze. They found some of these Corinthian mirrors and in, in antiquity. They're in some, some museums, and they're about six and a half inches in diameter with a little hinge, similar to like a, a vanity mirror, a little makeup mirror. And so it goes this, hey, right now all you see of the love of God is about as good as a reflection in a mirror. But keep on looking at it. Keep on reflecting upon it. Because now you see only in part, but... As time goes on, you're going to see in whole. You'll see like face to face. You will see yourself the way that you are seen. Like the reflection right now is imperfect. But the longer you look to Jesus and the love that Jesus has for you, the more clarity it brings. You ever, ever looked at a, uh, a storefront window for reflective purposes? Like you did a little walk by and... Check yourself, right? You can kind of check your outfit real quick. Yep. You know, check if maybe you, the back of your shirt's tucked in. You're like, no, looking good, sitting right. Maybe if it's a particularly sunny day, the light is just right, you can kind of check your hair real quick. But you know what? Like, that particular purpose is not the greatest for checking detail, is it? Like, you don't stop at a storefront window and be like, okay, wow, I see a little bit of a blemish here. Or do you? Because if you do, I laugh at people like you. Right? It only, it only shows a partial picture. It only shows a little bit. It's not the greatest, most clarifying look upon us. Here Paul says this, the best look you've got right now is like a bronze polished piece of high content tin mirror. It's pretty good. But we all know that looking face-to-face -face brings more clarity. Because the reflection you're seeing of the love of God right now is only in part. Keep on 
reflecting upon the love of God. And as you reflect upon the love of God, you will see yourself as you are truly seen. And then he says this, I used to be a kid. Thanks for that, Paul. But I'm not a kid anymore. And there was a transition from childish ways to older ways. Today, my, my second daughter became a teenager. So I now have two teenagers, which is kind of messing me up today. Today is also Mario Day, by the way. Like March 10th, M-A-R-1-0, Mario. Power up, come on. Mario Day. She, she turned 13 today. Remember when Sophie was young, she, she was probably not yet three years old, and at that point in time, she, she didn't really pronounce the letter R very well. Her R was kind of a long W. Remember, at her, you know, almost three years old, one day she woke up, it was a Sunday, and I'm like, Sophie, you ready for church? She goes, yep. I said, well, why are you, you excited for church? Yep. What are you excited about? I love Jesus because he's the spoukaliest. The sparkliest. I remember in that moment thinking, what a great revelation of the glory of God. Like Jesus is the sparkliest. Even if you can't pronounce it right, he's the sparkliest. And I remember at that time praising that revelation, the simplicity of it. Jesus is. He outshines everyone. But today she turned 13. Imagine if she woke up, Dad, I'm excited for church. We're going to go worship Jesus. He's the spoukliest. I'd be like, Sophie, you need to work on that R thing. you got to mature out of some of these childish ways. That, that picture you have and your ability to articulate it should be growing. Here's what Paul says. Like, I started out really, really, really simple, just the love of God. As I grow, I've learned to shed some things that no longer fit. But love never fails. As I grow, I've learned there's some things that no longer fit just right. I don't need diapers anymore. I don't need training wheels anymore. I don't need anyone cutting up my food anymore. I don't need a tutor anymore. I don't need to go to school anymore. I don't need these reminders anymore. I've outgrown them. But love never fails. I've never outgrown love. And so he goes, I want to tell you now in my more mature state, look back on it. And don't try to chase after words. Don't try to chase after knowledge or giftedness. Don't make your sacrificial ability your end goal. Follow the way of love. It's the most excellent way. Just keep yourself on that highway. Keep yourself in the lane of love. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. As they come, would you turn with me to the book of Jude? The book of Jude, we're going to conclude here tonight. We'll conclude in Jude. Book of Jude, I love this little book. Now catch me in this. Somebody you're saying, so hold up, words don't matter. Words absolutely have power. They absolutely have power. And the truth of the matter is when you are changed by the love of God, it will change the way you speak. What about giftedness? It doesn't even matter. Oh, it totally matters. This unique desire God has to affect the people around you by giving you what they need. Oh, that's beautiful. Giving you the ability to help them see, like the gift of wisdom to help them see what they would not understand. The gift of prophecy to help give discernment to a situation that they're walking through. A gift of encouragement, a gift of faith. These are beautiful things. And actually, as we reflect upon the love of God for our lives, we understand how very much he loves the people around us and wants to use us to impact them. 
Sacrifice and, and generosity is clearly, it's the overflow of love. I don't give because I have to. In fact, the Bible it warns against that. It says no one should give because they're compelled to. They feel like they are supposed to. God loves a cheerful giver. How can you be a cheerful giver when you give out of a place of love? Not love for the recipient, but an understanding of how loved you are. You go, man, God's got me. He's so taking care of me. Of course I'll share what I have. It's not mine anyway. I'm just watching over God's stuff. And God supplies for all my needs according to his riches. And so with joy and gladness, I give because God's always taking care of me. Words matter. Gifts matter. Giving matters. Sacrifice, those things all matter. They just only matter if you get there following the way of love. Here in the book of Jude, we'll conclude here today. In the book of Jude, it's only one chapter long. Short little letter, second to last book in the Bible. In the 20th verse, let me read this for you. Jude says this, but dear friends, build yourself up in your faith and pray in the spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourself in God's love. Fill my heart today that there will be many people who call Vivid Church home. You're trying your best to keep yourself on track. You're trying your best to keep yourself disciplined. You're trying your best to keep yourself holy. To keep yourself righteous. You're trying to keep yourself from making mistakes. Keep yourself from getting discouraged. Keep yourself from getting distracted. Keep yourself from getting delayed. You're working hard to keep everything in order and keep your ducks in a row. And I think the word of God to you and I would be simply is just keep yourself in my love. If you can keep yourself grounded, in, in Ephesians it puts it this way, being rooted and established in love. Your roots growing down deep and the establishment that allows those roots to grow you into maturity. Just keep yourself in the love of God. Jude goes on to say this, to the one who is able to keep us from falling. To the only God. You can't keep yourself from falling. I can't keep myself from falling. I certainly can't keep myself from failing, but I can keep myself in his love. And his love is strong. And his love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and never fails. His love is not where I want to be or where I started. It's the way that I get there. It's the way that I navigate on. So Paul says, hey, desire gifts, but let me show you the best way to desire them. Don't let your desire for giftedness turn into exerting stress. Love. And then he gets to the end, he says this, hey, chase after love and get gifts. You want to find your purpose in life? Chase after love. You'll find gifts. You want to find why you were put on this planet? Just chase after God's love. And he'll give you all you need. He'll fill in all those gaps. So how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? 
well, moments like this where we reflect upon it. I love the image of a mirror. What a beautiful picture, a beautiful thought. The reflection. Reflection is when light casts off one thing and shines light in a different direction. We also use the word reflection to mean to ponder, to think about, to focus on, to meditate, to muse. So we reflect upon the love of God. And as we reflect upon his kindness towards us, it begins to change our heart from the inside out. We love because he first loved us. So Jude says, hey, grow in your faith. Pray in the spirit. Keep yourself in love. Next time you fail, next time you falter, don't just retrace your steps. Where did I go wrong? Just come back to that place of how loved you are. Begin there. Next time you want to rattle off a whole bunch of words and be the actually guy, just make sure you know how loved you are. Next time you get all excited about how gifted you are and how you could change the world, just stop. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can bear fruit that lasts. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.